evening. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Kuma, and joining me to unpack your stock-related questions tonight are Jean-Pierre Verstappen from Protea Capital Management and Rowan Williams from Nitrogen Fund Managers. Uh, be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thank you so much for your time, Rowan. And of course, uh, let's get the ball rolling. I will actually start off with a question um, from a viewer because uh, markets will are waiting for the Fed minutes. And of course, markets uh, have now started pricing in uh, rate cuts at this point as they see a lot of uh, the central banks are keeping rates on a hold for the rest of the year and it's actually starting off with the fed uh, the viewer says i think the fed is done with interest rate hikes as inflation might have peaked uh, to me i don't have that much faith in the fed they kept saying inflation was transitory and delayed hiking uh, rates i think it's 50 uh, 50 that they will be too slow to drop interest rates does your panel agree or not um so Ron, starting with you uh, is the fed done with interest rate hikes um, and do you think that they might be too slow to drop interest rates? Yeah, I might sound like Jerome Powell, but I say, <laughs> well, it's all data dependent. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it does seem like they um, are done with, uh, I think, uh, hiking. Uh, we have seen the sort of near-term data being uh, more positive in terms of uh, uh, a pause and at least maybe the, the end of hikes because we have seen a pause already. So. Uh, inflation is coming under control. Uh, we're seeing some of the job figures uh, also moderate quite significantly because we had a period where there was strong hiking, but uh, jobs remain strong, but they seem to be slowing down. And I think that's what the market was also uh, waiting for. Um, jobless claims uh, also on the rise. So those generally point to a cooling economy. And I think uh, the market feels that uh, the Fed has done enough to uh, tame inflation. Um, so I think it would be a surprise at this point if they did hike again. And what we are starting to see, as you pointed out, that uh, we're now starting to price in uh, rate cuts. Uh, again, that will be very dependent on the trajectory of uh, inflation from here. Inflation expectations have proved a little bit sticky. And I think the Fed wants to see those come down before it's going to cut. So in terms of erring on the side of caution, I think it may do that. Uh, they've got themselves into a situation where they were able to create a significant buffer of much higher rates. We've had a period of roughly 20 years of very low rates. So I don't think they want to give it up that easily. Mm. Um, it is handy in the, if there were another crisis that they could cut. So they do want some buffer. Um, so I think they will be cautious as long as the U.S. economy is strong. They yeah. are not going to cut too quickly. So uh, uh, price stability is one of their key mandates, and they're going to stick to that. Yeah. And I mean, uh, just the, the concerns of a policy mistake have been rife since the beginning. I mean, even the Fed, I guess, didn't want to make a policy mistake by calling inflation sticky too early. Um, and also, even with the rate hiking cycle, there have been concerns that, oh, what if they hold, uh, they keep on hiking rates and they make a policy mistake? Uh, JP, do you think that they could be, a considering the hawkish tone that they keep coming with, do you think that they could be a policy mistake of dropping rates too, uh, of, of, too late? Sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I would also add to say that the reason... Um, for the question by the viewer is effectively to make a decision on equities mm. based on what the Fed will do. Yeah. 
I would just say if you go back a year and you made your equity investment decisions based on what the Fed might do and what people were expecting, we would have gotten it very wrong because interest rates, the expectations for interest rates mm. have risen very sharply from a year ago. Yeah. And the interest rates themselves, the Fed fund rate has risen very sharply from a year ago. No one thought a year ago we would be where we are today. Yeah. But notwithstanding that, the equity markets have not fallen in a, in a heap. The equity markets has actually have, have had a very good 12 months. Mm. So be careful if you are investing in equities to necessarily think that only central bank decisions drive the equity market. It is more complicated than that. It has to do with earnings expectations. It has to do with expectations of earnings expectations. Yeah. And your long-term interest rates as an indication of the cost of money, your discount rate, your opportunity cost is just one element of that. So don't be too fixated on that because what we have seen again the past year is that no one really knows. No one can really accurately forecast what economies will do. And then central bankers base their hiking or cutting decisions based on the expectation of what economies would do. So that's why the central bankers were surprised a year ago and they thought, oh goodness, they're behind the curve and they needed to raise interest rate very sharply and they were criticized for being too slow. Mm -hmm. And as you now say, Zanati, they might again be too slow or they might be too fast in cutting. Yeah. We don't know. But the good news is if you stick to high quality companies and you don't overpay, it doesn't actually matter what the central banks do. I hear you, JP. I hear you. All right, let's move on to more questions. This one is on gold. Um, panels view on holding gold. Um, and if you are going to hold gold, do you go for uh, gold miners or gold uh, ETFs like uh, GLD? Um, and if you're holding both, what percentage? Or actually, if you're holding gold, what percentage of your portfolio? So, uh, Rowan, what's your view on holding gold? And would you be going, if you are going into gold, going for the miners or ETFs? And what percentage of your portfolio would it be? Yeah, so I guess the simple answer is zero uh, percent. Um, well, that's what I'm holding. And uh, I mean, gold's an interesting asset class. Uh, it uh, typically is a hedge against inflation, and it has actually done quite well. It recently just passed again through the two thousand dollar mark per mm -hmm. ounce. So that's quite uh, positive, obviously, for for gold mines. Uh, but it can cut both ways. Uh, gold mines are really price takers. They have very little control over the gold price. Um, they don't really control the supply uh, directly. Uh, so um, it could go down. And uh, as we've seen with the platinum miners, uh, just as an example, how uh, deeply it cuts when the uh, price of uh, the commodity that you sell goes down. So what I would say is if you were to hold uh, gold, especially uh, if you look at the gold shares, uh, some of them have done particularly well. Harmony uh, stands out. Mm. Um, they seem to be trading at a slight premium to uh, the basket of, well, uh, gold really in rands. And so at this point in the cycle, I'd probably hold the ETF I were, if I were to be holding gold. Um, but I think, uh, as JP said, there's you know better assets out there. There's uh, businesses that uh, produce uh, something that's useful for uh, consumers or the economy and uh, is a better inflation hedge overall. So, but gold is an asset refuses to die. So there will <laughs> always be people, I think, that are, are interested in it. <laughs> JP, would you be interested in it or not? 
Well, gold refuses to die, but it also refuses to multiply. Oh, yeah. If you put two gold bars <laughs> together, they don't make babies. They don't make dividends. So unfortunately, if you have an ounce of gold, you'll always just have an ounce of gold and your ounce of gold will not pay dividends. Yeah. It will not generate the return. The only way you can generate the return on your ounce of gold is to sell your ounce of gold to someone who will hopefully pay you more fiat currency, more rands or dollars than what you bought your ounce of gold for. So in my mind, that is not the definition of an investment. For me, something in which you can only get return once you sell the asset is a trade. It's not an investment because you need to trade out of it to make your money. I like companies where I buy a little piece of the company, a share. Yeah. And there are people who go to work early in the morning and they work hard and they generate profits. And then once or twice a year, they pay out a small portion of their profits, sometimes a large portion mm. to their shoulders. So I can sleep well and my shares effectively multiply. They pay dividends, they become worth more and they throw off cash. So I agree with Rowan, I would not hold the gold shares in terms of the miners. I'm actually short gold miners at the moment. Yeah. And if I was forced to, I would hold the gold ETF, but I would prefer to hold productive assets like shares in a company uh, because I think that's a better long-term investment than not just a trade. Ah. Well, uh, since we're on the topic of miners, uh, there is a question on Tungela and Exaro. I have an existing exposure to both Tungela and Exaro in my portfolio. Uh, the performance of both has been relatively flat. I'm considering consolidating this exposure. What are the panel's thoughts? Rowan? Hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, quite interesting with the Tungela, you're getting just the coal exposure. Uh, Exaro, you're getting coal and uh, iron ore exposure so and I think people forget Exara has quite significant iron ore exposures through that uh, Sishan Iron Ore Company uh, in joint venture with Kumba so um, and if you look at the the point in the cycle um, I mean we have seen oil come off quite significantly uh, notwithstanding I guess some of the conflict in the Middle East and so has been disappointing to some extent coal prices off that energy complex so it's also been a little bit softer and actually, Xaro is screening cheap at the moment. Uh, it is somewhat of a holding company. So you look at it on a sum of the parts and uh, versus at least uh, the value of the underlyings, um, it does look quite cheap. So uh, an opportune question, we would uh, consolidate uh, Salva Tungela mm. and uh, go uh, put it all into Xaro. It also pays good dividends. Um, and you've got, to, I guess, some... Uh, diversification it's not only one commodity that you have exposure to and uh, yeah dividends look good I think uh, prospects for iron ore look reasonable uh, with uh, sort of uh, the China Chinese um, trying to do a lot for their economy actually iron ore is quite strong at the moment so it uh, is, is is a reasonable level um, to 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 consolidate and swap into Xara. Mm. Um, yeah, so so Rowan speaking about uh, going for Exaro uh, for the diversification. Uh, JP, on your side, um, is it looking like, how would you play it? And is it looking like the, the party for uh, Tungela is very slow to come back? It was a huge party. So that mm. means there's a huge hangover now yeah. after <laughs> the very high coal prices just after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Mm. So... It does mean that uh, uh, Xaro is in a better position probably. And as Rona said, the iron ore price specifically has recovered quite nicely year to date. And very recently, because of um, certain news coming out of China, that the government wants to support the property industry. 
and that supports iron ore because it's a key input into steel, which is a key material into home building. So the, the direction of movement for Xaro is better than for Tungela. The other part of the equation is though that Tungela is cheaper on a call it spot basis, a PE basis. Mm. So do you go for the one that's cheaper or do you go for the one that isn't as cheap, but it is moving in the right direction? It's fundamentals are improving at a better rate. Yeah. And between the two options, I would probably go with the same uh, option as Rowan and say, I would rather have exposure to iron ore as well, not just for the diversification benefit, but also because iron ore's price is rising, while the coal price seems to be flat after the big bubble we had. Mm. And that means even though Tungela is cheaper, I would prefer to be buying the share that's uh, got the better fundamentals that are improving as we go forward. All right. Well, actually, uh, JP, let me come to you first uh, because there is a question for you specifically uh, about Match Group. Uh, should I still hold Match? I bought the share on his recommendation and it's 40% down. Does he think it will recover or should I cut my losses now? Yeah, there's no love lost for Match Group, <laughs> the holding company of Tinder. Um, but things are quite bad in the whole industry. That, like the CEO of Bumble, which is a competitor, actually mm. stepped down less than a month ago. Um, mm. So there's a lot of issues at the moment in that industry. It seems like post-COVID, uh, people aren't too fond of meeting up and connecting via apps. And the apps yeah. have maybe gone too far in terms of monetizing the platform. So uh, if you really want to meet people and want to swipe, and want to connect uh, these days it sounds like you need to pay a lot to do that the free option doesn't work that well anymore yeah. um, i still believe if you look at the strength of the platform and the the innate human nature to want to look for connection including physical connection it does mean that i think the dominant platforms will do well and tinder is still the dominant platform even though there are a few competitors now so um, while they do have short-term challenges leadership challenges and like I said, the industry being under pressure, uh, we still hold in the Protea funds. And uh, it is disappointing how it's done the last six months, but we are holding and uh, and waiting for better days. Ah, all right. Well, uh, some people that uh, were really hot uh, on something uh, on NVIDIA yesterday, um, it did trade at almost an all-time highest. And of course, we'll be getting the results out tonight. So uh, what uh, do you think the NVIDIA results will be tonight? Well, it seems that investors are expecting a lot, Rowan. Yeah, so it certainly has been a really hot story, hot stock. I mean, it has driven to some extent the entire market's returns uh, this year. So the whole um, AI space uh, and obviously uh, chip demand has been huge. So people will follow it very closely. A, a huge amount of expectations are in the price. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess it's relatively easy for them to disappoint. Does look like demand remi remains very strong. They're doing a lot of uh, innovation. Uh, a new chip that will be twice as fast going to be launched in the first quarter of next year. They've got the market excited as well. So I think obviously the results and what the sort of demand expectations look like in the near term will really de determine the share price reaction on the day. Um, it could move quite a lot. I think, as I said, I think a lot of expectations. So there's a potential for a disappointment, even a 5% pullback. Uh, would not be sort of significant relative to the run-up. And I think a lot of people would see that as an opportunity to buy. So it's probably going to stay quite firm. Um, but it's going to be watched very closely. I think this is a key part of the market. 
uh, even the whole sort of uh, conflict at OpenAI just shows you sort of how much focus there is on this space right now. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot that investors are hanging their hat on here. Uh, JP, um, what would you make of it if it does disappoint on, on something even slightly? Yes, well, because of the very high expectations in the share price, if they do disappoint even slightly, it could be a material downward move in the share price. That's why they really need to come with a positive surprise because you can see from the share price movement recently that people are expecting a lot yeah. and a lot of optimism. Now, um, Rowan did mention the issues at OpenAI with Sam Altman being pushed out over the weekend and then yesterday Microsoft saying you can come work there. But it, it, it shows that a lot, large part of that reason is there's a feeling that maybe things should go slower. And if uh, the whole idea of artificial intelligence is that we should go slower, mm. that's not good for demand for, for the chips that drive AI that uh, NVIDIA is the leader for. So we had a very interesting time, and that's why there's so much focus on the NVIDIA results tonight, not just for what happened in the past three months for the quarterly result, but also the prospect statement to hear what they think going forward and the type of orders they have uh, to see if uh, this frenzy is continuing. Generally, I don't like frenzies. Frenzies yeah. are normally equal to bubbles. And you don't, when you're in the middle of a bubble, you don't realize you're in a bubble. It's only with the benefit of hindsight mm. that you see you were in a bubble. So I think a year or two from now is going to be interesting when we talk about AI and NVIDIA, whether we have the benefit of hindsight and look at it slightly differently to what we are looking at it today. Ah, all right. Well, let's get to Sibanye. I see Sibanye is down a lot today. Um, I've been interested in buying mineral companies for some time now. I bought a couple of shares uh, at 23 Rand. Could this be a good time to add more Sibanye shares to my portfolio? Rowan? Well, yeah, certainly better than yesterday. Um, so the share down, yeah, over 20% on the day uh, of the announcement of the $500 million convertible bond offering uh, that they uh, basically concluded today. So um, that uh, results in effectively a massive share issuance if those uh, bonds do convert. It would be about 14% dilutive to existing shareholders. So uh, the bonds actually look like an, a reasonable prospect because you're getting sort of a base uh, US dollar return of around 4.25% uh, with uh, potential equity upside. Um, and I guess from this level, the strike at 30% or so above today's reference price uh, looks like it could come into range easily over the next five years. Um, so there has been a lot of hedging that I think went through the market. The volumes were huge in Sabania today. So that put also a lot of pressure on the share price. So it is a pretty good entry point. They will have significant capital, I guess, to take advantage of uh, deals in the cycle. They already announced one last week. Uh, so you do have to believe to some extent in uh, the whole platinum story. I guess if you're already a shareholder and you do, uh, then it certainly makes sense to add lower down uh, and this would be a reasonable entry point. Ah, all right. Uh, another question on Sabanya Stillwater. What's the forecast uh, for it in the short term? And a cheeky one here. Why doesn't Anglo buy them and boot Froneman uh, out? I think he is getting too big for his boots. JP. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you say Anglo, it won't be Anglo-American. And Anglo Golda Shanti has also... Uh, <laughs> moved outside of South Africa and uh, not having any material exposure in South Africa. So it wouldn't make sense to buy a yeah. company with still significant gold exposure yeah. in South Africa. That'd be against the strategy. So that's to answer that one. Yeah. And um, look, I, I agree with Rowan. I think in the short term, like tomorrow, 
there could be a bounce because a lot of the pressure today was because of this hedging. If you are a hedge fund yeah. or a fixed income investor and you bought these bonds, you effectively get a share option as part of the bond connected to the bond, in, uh, implicit with the bond. And for you to hedge that equity portion, you would short some shares. So because the bonds were issued today, there was a frenzy mm. to hedge that long equity exposure by shorting Sabania shares. But now the bonds have been issued. So maybe some people might do a little bit of hedging tomorrow, but as soon as the hedging is done, and I think that's very soon, you should see a small bounce. But longer term, I think uh, if you look at the PGM basket, um, it's a tough space for all PGM players, including Sabania. So in the short term, maybe a bounce, but longer term, I'm not positive about the company. Uh, all right. Uh, well, uh, Rowan, uh, the, here's a question on Nespers and Process. Uh, there were late trading statements by Nespers and Process last night, um, which looked decent. Uh, did the panel have a chance to uh, analyze? Uh, to be quite honest with you, I just saw a headline that they do expect the interim profit to jump. Uh, Rowan, did you have a chance to comb through those numbers? Yeah, so um, the uh, sort of trading statements are sort of a little bit of a guessing game because quite a few moving parts. They uh, take uh, 10 cents numbers uh, a quarter back uh, and put them in their numbers in terms of the earnings. So I think what uh, we tend to focus on is the sum of the parts, the discount to NAV, the performance in uh, the underlying e-commerce, uh, I guess the rest of the portfolio, what some people call the rump, uh, the non-10 cent assets. And uh, I guess the commentary that we saw, it did look positive that uh, they have um, moved some companies, loss-making businesses into discontinued operations, and uh, they did see traction in the balance of the e-commerce portfolio. So uh, we've also got a new CEO um, that's going to be presenting the results. So I think results are quite well uh, anticipated again, and uh, the tone that they set I think what was interesting uh, this evening, uh, they came out with an update on their share buybacks, uh, and they actually have accelerated those in the last week. So, and they did point out in the trading statement that they committed to those. So, that's a key part of the investment case going forward, uh, and so that does look quite positive. So, we remain quite constructive because we think from here things are going to be moving in the right direction towards narrowing that discount as as best they can. And uh, that's certainly positive uh, for the share price. Mm. Last question before we get to your stock picks. Uh, a question on NASPERS and Process as well. Which one do you prefer, JP? I prefer NASPERS because you have a double discount. You have the discount between NASPERS and its holding in Process, and then the discount between Process and its holdings of, of majority uh, of the value being ten cent, but also all the other bits, as Grant calls it, the rump. Mm. Um, and I do think that the share price maybe did not perform very well today after that trading statement because there was a slight disappointment that there wasn't another big bang, another big announcement of some corporate action that they could do. But I think it's generally positive that they reinforce that they will continue with the share buyback. They're going to continue with what they're doing right now. And if you're patient, I think that will unlock value at the process and particularly at the NASPASH level. All right. Well, gents, let's get to your stock picks for today. Rowan, what will it be? Uh, yeah, something uh, with the Black Friday theme. Uh, we're choosing Fashini Group. Uh, they have uh, reported, even though the earnings were somewhat disappointing, I think the prospects are looking quite good. They've held a series of investor engagements. Uh, we're seeing a lot of investor interest. 
they're very much a forward-thinking retailer, omni-channel, and uh, have a very big exposure in the, in the South African market, but also in uh, the UK and Australia, and at a reasonable price, yeah, and I think prospects look good. So, um, yeah, we like it for the medium term. Ah, all right. On your side, JP, what will it be? So I mentioned a double discount when it comes to Nasbash. Here's another company with a double discount. It's Ethos Capital Partners. It's an investment holding company. They announced roughly two weeks ago they probably won't look to make new investments. They look to realize their current investments. It is trading at a significant discount to its own intrinsic value. And this management team will not dilute shareholders by doing a rights issue at these low prices as some other investment holding companies have done. They will look to realize the value so that unlocks the first discount but they also have a significant stake in rate another investment holding company that's also trading at a significant discount and is also looking to unlock the discount through uh, uh, distributing their premier food shares which is the premier group which is listed on the jc and then they have virgin active as well as a significant um, investment so between the discount being unlocked at break and the discount being unlocked at ethos I see significant upside and a management team that's going to actively look to unlock this discount, double discount, in the short term. Oh, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time and those very interesting uh, stock picks at Jets. Really appreciate it. That's all for uh, Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guests, Jean-Pierre Ferstad from Protea Capital Management and Rowan Williams from Nitrogen Fund Managers. Up next, the close. Stay with us. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.